Thank you, Francina, and good morning, Redeemer. It's so wonderful to, to be with you uh, here as we uh, continue to look forward to our Saviour's coming, uh, to remembering Christmas, uh, as we, we spend these few weeks, as we said, unwrapping our union with Christ, uh, thinking of the treasure we have uh, in Jesus uh, it's wonderful to be with here with you. Uh, we're here in Romans. I know Pastor Dave is slowly working through Romans, but I think we're pretty safe. We're here in Romans 6, so at our current rate, we should get there in two years. We'll, we'll see, uh, two or so years, but uh, we're going to have a great time in this passage today, so please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are with us. Uh, thank you that uh, we know that because 2,000 years ago, uh, you came to us. So your son was born. He was God with us. So your son died and rose. He sent us his spirit. So we now know you are with us. Today as we hear your word, we pray that we would be changed. We pray that we would all be led to hope in Jesus. It's in his good and great name that we pray. Amen. As we come forward to Christmas, I'm not sure if uh, you or families you know are in the habit of sending Christmas letters. Uh, over the years, I've known many families who send Christmas letters. It's the end of the year, and so families will send letters sort of sharing a bit about their year. Often these letters will tell stories of great achievements or great sorrows in the family. Uh, the letter from, from one family might tell you about their son's graduation. It might tell you about um, a, a, a sickness they, they had. Uh, it might have some photos from a special holiday they took. Uh, many things can, can be included in a Christmas letter and often there's a couple of pictures that will sum up the year. And again, those pictures could be the big birthday party, the wedding, the graduation ceremony, or it could be a holiday. But if you were writing a Christmas letter, a Christmas letter that summed up your life, I wonder what that would look like. Uh, for, for many of us, we might think through our year and say, yes, there are, there are joys to share, yet there are also sorrows. If we looked back over our life, there might be pictures of great triumphs, things of children or grandchildren we can boast about. But there also might be letters of termination from our, our employer. There also might be sicknesses, hard things. I'm not sure what would sum up your year this year. Yet today as we come to God's word we're going to remember the wonderful truth that we are one with Christ, that we are united with him. And so as we hear from this passage, we'll see that if, if you are a believer, if you trust Jesus, then the things that sum up your year, the things that sum up your life, the pictures that would most represent your year, the pictures that should most represent your life, they're quite different to what we might think. We'll see that if we trust in Jesus, 
Well, the two pictures you should include in your Christmas letter, summing up your life, summing up your year, well, those two most important pictures are Jesus' death, the cross of Christ, and Jesus' resurrection, that empty tomb. Because we are one with him. Uh, We'll see that in a variety of ways through today's passage. But first, I want to look at the first four verses where we see that we are united to Christ forever. Because when we trust in Jesus, if you have trusted in Jesus, you have been made forever one with him. So that his story has become your story. Uh, Look at verses 1 to 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? You can tell this passage is giving us a reason to obey. And we'll come to that later in the passage. But look at why we should obey. Verse 3. Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This passage is reminding all who have trusted in Jesus uh, by pointing us to baptism, pointing us to this wonderful picture of baptism. So we know that as we, we believe in Jesus, we express that through baptism. And baptism is a wonderful picture of our sins being washed away. But Paul's pointing to another picture here. When we believe in Jesus, when we identify with Jesus and say, I belong to Jesus, when we are baptized, well, it's not just that we're deciding to try to live like Jesus. None of us can just imitate Jesus and live a perfect life like he did. No, we need more than that. And when we trust in Jesus, when we believe in him and are baptized, we do remember that Jesus died for us 2,000 years ago. That's a wonderful truth. Jesus died for us. He rose for us. But even the picture of baptism reminds us of something else. It says that as Jesus died, we died. And as Jesus rose, we rose. Even that picture of baptism is a visual of dying, going down under the water and being raised back up to life. Look at the language in verse 3. Don't you know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. There it tells us that it's not just that Jesus died for us, that Jesus was buried for us, though he was. If we trust in Jesus, then we died with him. If we trust in Jesus, somehow we were buried with him. Because we are included in Christ. You see, there are some things that are true of us, and there are other things that are true of Jesus. Uh, You could say, we are in Dubai right now. Uh, We might have had a certain thing for dinner last night. Many things that are true of us and things that are true of Jesus. He lived this perfect life that he died and rose again. 
But in this passage, throughout this passage, there's all this language saying that we are in Christ, we are with Christ. Listen to the different ways that it's described just, just in these few verses. We're baptized into Christ Jesus, into his death, with him, united with him. Again, united with him, with him, with Christ, with him, in Christ Jesus. This passage is full of this language. Think that if we have trusted in Jesus, then we are so united with him that you could say we are in him. And the things that are true of Jesus, the things that are true of Christ, are also true of us. That's why you can say, well, we were buried with him. Now, this can be hard to understand, but there are some ways that we speak of similar things in everyday life. I've got some friends here with me today who have lived in Argentina for many years. And as they've been watching the World Cup these last few weeks, I'm sure they would have said many times, we won, we won. As Argent- the Argentinian team has won, won their games and made it closer to the final. And were they on the pitch? Were they over there in Qatar scoring goals? Well, I don't think so. But but as Argentinians, people living in Argentina, you can say, we won. We know what it is to say, well, when you're in someone, when you're in Argentina, then you win as your leaders, as your team wins or loses. Well, in an even deeper way, we're told that when we believe in Jesus, we are in him. Uh, And the things that are true of Christ are now also true of all who are in Christ. In these verses, we're told that we were actually buried with him. The The old Morgan died. The old you died when you trusted in Jesus so that you might be made new. And the main things we see that become true of us The main things that become true of us when we trust in Jesus, we'll see in the coming few verses, in verses 5 to 8, that we died with Christ and we will live with Christ. You want two pictures that you should put there in the Christmas letter, in the life letter. What What is true about you if you believe in Jesus? Well, number one, you died with Christ and number two, you will live with Christ. If we've been united with Christ, we share in his past and in his future. Uh, Look there from verse 5 through 8. It tells us that for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We trust in Jesus. It's not just that he died and rose again for us. In some way, the old us died and we have been made alive with him. So We can see these things are true of Jesus. If you look at Jesus' life there, uh, Jesus died and Jesus rose again. Uh, we, We know Jesus was crucified by the Romans there, AD 33, and three days later, he rose again. But listen to these verses which speak of us, that speak of us who trust in Jesus and see what is true of us. 
Verse 5, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we'd no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. There are four times it says that it wasn't just Jesus who died. It wasn't just Jesus who died for us. If we trust in Jesus, we died. Our old sinful self was crucified with Jesus. And that means something very important. If I deserve punishment for my sin, well, I've already received that punishment because I died with Christ. When Christ took my punishment on the cross, my punishment was paid in full. If there's any judgment I deserve for my sin, that judgment has already been poured out on my sin because it was poured out on Jesus. And somehow I am included in him. My sin has been paid for in full. There is no more guilt. There is no more wrath. There is no more of God's anger for my sin because it has been poured out in full. That's mentioned four times that we died with Christ. But you notice there in verse 5 and in verse 8 that if we died with him, if we share in Christ's past, we'll also share in Christ's future. We can worry what will happen in the future, what will happen in the coming years, what will cap and cap happen in the, the, the rest of my life, what will happen when on the final day, when I die and I meet God face to face. Well, this tells us we can ab be absolutely sure, because if we died with Christ, we will also live with him. Verse 5, we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 8, if we've died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. Because if you've been united to Christ, then wherever Christ goes, you go. Uh, there's one pastor in Australia who's explained it like getting on an aeroplane. You know, if you head over to the airport and get on an aeroplane, then wherever that plane goes, you will go. You might sleep the whole time or you might be flying the plane. Yet wherever that plane goes, well, if that plane is going to Sydney, you'll go to Sydney. Once you are in the plane, your future is bound up with the future of that plane and you will go wherever it goes. You can imagine sort of two different travellers heading up there to, to Dubai Airport. One is very nervous, like they've never flown before. And they arrive sort of five hours early just to make sure they're, they're not late. And they'll go and they'll ask the staff there, kind of, tell me, has, have the safety checks been done? Uh, they'll get there super early. They'll diligently read the, uh, the safety cards several times. They'll take notes during the, the safety briefing uh, because this is scary. They, they can't believe that something this big could fly. And then there's the other person who 
flies every day, flies every week, and they turn up at the last possible minute. Uh, They fly through uh, without a thought. Uh, They've already got their noise-cancelling headphones on and they're asleep by the time that the plane is in the air. Which of those people is going to get safely to the destination? Both of them. It actually makes no difference how confident you are. It makes no difference how able to fly a plane or explain how a plane works. If you were in the plane, you were safe. If you were in the plane, you will get there. We're told that if we are in Jesus and we share in his past, we were crucified with him and we will share in his future. We will live with him. If you trust in Jesus, you don't need to doubt what God will say on the final day because your sin was punished back at the cross in 33 AD and you will live with Christ because you are in him. And God welcomes you. He will welcome you as one who is in Christ. Christ belongs at the right hand of the Father in glory for eternity. That is where we will be. Certainly, because we are in Christ, all of us who have trusted him. Christ, uh, we died with Christ and we will live with Christ. Because we've been united with Christ and share in his past and his future. That gives us incredible hope. And the reason for that. If we want to be really sure, am I okay with God? Will I be accepted by God? Does God, will God listen to my prayer today? Is God for me? Does God accept me? Well, if we want to be sure of that, we don't look to our own works. We don't look to how our prayer life has been this week. We don't look to how our obedience has been this week. We look to Christ. Because Christ himself died to sin and rose to God. Verses 9 to 10. I will see there that Christ is dead to the kingdom of sin and death and rose to life in the kingdom of God. Um, Verse 9 and 10 tells us, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now there's something that could be confusing in here. Uh, The line that says, Christ died to sin. Why did Christ need to die to sin? Uh, We know that Christ never sinned. Uh, We heard in last week's passage uh, that though he he was tempted in every way yet, was without sin. Christ Jesus was God's holy one, his righteous one. He never sinned. So dying to sin for Jesus didn't mean that he needed to stop sinning. Now these verses, when it says Christ died to sin, it's firstly remembering what happened at that first Christmas. Our world Our world is in darkness. Our world is subject to sin and death. So when Jesus, when God the Son became a baby and entered our world, 
He was entering into the kingdom, the world of Adam, the world of sin, the world of death. Jesus came into our world where he suffered the effects of sin and death, where he was tempted. Jesus entered into this this world, this broken world of sin and death. Yet when Jesus died and rose again, well, he broke the power of sin and death. He established a new kingdom. When Jesus died, he died to the kingdom of sin. And he rose to life, he established the kingdom of God. He established the kingdom of life and righteousness, where once all of humanity was in Adam and in sin and in death. Now Jesus, there's a a different possibility. Now Jesus is the one who has created the kingdom of God, the kingdom of righteousness, the kingdom of life. So when Jesus died to sin, it says the life he lives, he lives to God. Uh, He has moved from being a part of this kingdom of sin, though he never sinned, and he has established the new kingdom, the kingdom of righteousness and life, Uh, this kingdom that will last for all eternity. And that's important to know because Paul is really answering the question for us, for Christians, how alive am I? I don't always feel very alive. Sometimes, even though I trust in Jesus, I still sin. Sometimes, though though I trust in Jesus, I very much feel the effects of sin and death in brokenness in my body. Well, Paul is telling us that while our bodies haven't caught up, while our actions haven't always caught up, That if we trust in Jesus, then how alive are we? Was alive as Jesus is, because we have been made alive in him. How do I measure my relationship with God? Well, I say he who died to the kingdom of sin, who established the kingdom of God, the kingdom of life. We're told that if we are in him, uh, we too, uh, we go wherever Jesus goes. And so we have been made alive in him. It's a good verse 11 to 14. says, you are alive in Christ. It says, so also. Uh, so, so you also. This is pointing back to verse 10. Just as Jesus died to sin and lives to God, so also, in the same way, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Why? Well, because you're in Christ Jesus. Just said Jesus is dead to sin and alive to God. It says, in the same way, so also, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, this is telling us this is what Jesus did. By his death and resurrection, he is now alive. He will live forever in resurrection life. He's established the age of the Spirit. 
And Paul is telling us that we must consider ourselves to also be dead to sin and alive to God. You know, in all of the book of Romans so far, six chapters of the book of Romans, this is the first actual command. Now, I know there's plenty of application, and even if it takes us a couple of years working through Romans, there'll still be plenty of application because those first five chapters of Romans, they tell us so much about Christ. They tell us so much about ourselves and our brokenness. They tell us what Jesus has done. They tell us who we now are. But actually, in Romans, this is the first actual command we get, six chapters in. And this command isn't a command telling us, firstly, to go and do something or stop doing something. The first command in all of Romans is there in verse 11. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Remember who you are. Consider yourselves. Reckon yourselves. Remember. You are dead to sin and alive to God. Why? Because you are in Christ Jesus. This is an incredible truth. That we are alive in Christ. Because we don't always see it, do we? Our actions don't always look like we are alive in Christ, like we have been freed from sin. Sometimes we go back. We fall into those old sins. We fall into bad patterns. We don't live in that way. We can struggle to see this because, as I said, our bodies are still subject to decay. We know sickness, disability. We even know death. Yet this passage, God is telling us, If we know Jesus, if we trust in him, then what is true of him is true of us. We might not see it yet. It might be hidden. It might be veiled. Yet it is no less true. Uh, As Jesus died, we died, the the old us died. As Jesus will live and does live, we will be raised bodily And we already spiritually have been raised with him. Go to Ephesians, Colossians, it will tell you we are already seated with God. Seated with Christ in God. Because where Christ goes, we go. Because we are united with him. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this this truth? Well, firstly, we, we remember it. We consider ourselves. We, we rejoice because we have hope. And we have hope. We can wonder, where will I go? What will happen with that job application? What will happen with that sickness? What will happen with that family member? We can worry even more. Will I be okay with God? Have I done enough? Will he forgive me that thing that I did? But the amazing truth is that if we trust in Jesus, well, our sin has been paid for. We died with Christ. Our future is certain because we will face God in Christ. If those included in him 
will go wherever he goes. But the other thing we do is to live it out. I start to act like we are alive in Christ because sometimes our actions don't reflect it. Like we've been adopted into a whole new family. We've become citizens of a whole new nation. Yet sometimes we're in the habit of acting like we were in that old family or acting like we were part of that that old nation. Yet that doesn't stop the fact that we are citizens of a new nation. We are members of a new family. We are in Christ. And this passage tells us, well, act like it. Be who you are. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. This tells us, you remember who you are. You're not slaves to sin. You're not members of the kingdom of sin anymore. As much as Christ is a member of the, the kingdom of God and righteousness and life, That's where you dwell. That's where you belong. That's where your citizenship lies. And therefore, act like it. It says, take your members, your hands, your feet, your mouth, your words, your thoughts, your energy, your attention, and use it not to serve that old kingdom that you used to be a member of. Use it to serve Christ. Use it to be who you are. You've been brought into the most amazing family. Now you have the privilege of slowly showing that family likeness. Uh, You have been made alive in Christ Jesus. And therefore, you're not a slave to sin. Sometimes when we're told to obey, we we might feel like we're being asked to do something that just, it's, it's unfair. It's like I'm five foot tall and I've been told, go and play basketball in the NBA. Or uh, it's just, it, that's unfair. Like, and we kind of think, oh, I'm being told to obey God. I'm being told to, uh, to act like Jesus. Yet look how broken and fallen I am. And it's true that we're broken. It's true that we, we're fallen. Yet the amazing truth is that if we are in Jesus, we have been raised with Christ. We've been made alive in Christ. We have the same spirit in us that raised Christ from the dead. So we actually have been made new. We've been made citizens of the kingdom of heaven, members of Christ's family. Our whole identity Uh, There in verse 13, we are those who have been brought from death to life. Therefore, we have what it takes to begin to obey. We won't do it perfectly. Yet we, we must, because we have been made new. We are alive in Christ. We must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Friends, this is a truth which there is such hope. 
that you who know Jesus, for you who trust in Jesus, you have been forever united to him so that wherever he goes, you will go. Those of you who don't yet trust in Jesus, know that he invites you to trust. He invites you to come to him, confess your sins, call on his name, ask him to forgive you, ask him to make, make you his own. And he will do that. He will draw you in. He'll take your sins away as far as the east is from the west. And in him you can have hope. Hope for forgiveness. Hope for relationship with God. Because as Christ belongs in the presence of God, well, all who are in Christ, all who have trusted in him, uh, will be there with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for this amazing truth. Yet help us to believe it. It's so hard to believe, to see, to feel. We see our actions that don't represent who we are in Jesus. Uh, We see brokenness, death, sin around us, even in our lives. Yet we know your word is true. Uh, We know that Jesus died and rose again. We know Jesus sits at your right hand. And you tell us that we are alive in him. Help us, Father, by, by your power at work in us. Help us to consider, to remember that we are dead to sin and alive to you in Christ Jesus. Help us to live like it. Help us to act like it. Help us to show the world that we are yours. It's in Jesus' good and great name that we pray. Amen.